Now, praise the Lord, uh, we're in the middle of missions month, and uh, this year I decided to bring in some older guys. Sorry, David. Um, uh, and so I wanted to hear from guys that have been around for a while. You know, how do we be mission-minded? Uh, what does that look like in life and working and, and mission field and all those things? So God has blessed us with, uh, with many men that are coming to talk to us this, um, this missions month. So let's give David a hand and bring him up. Mine? Yeah, that's yours. Great, thanks. Good morning, David. It's great to have you here. Thanks so much for letting me come. You and I getting to be friends. I don't, you know, just through mutual friends, kind yeah. of got us together for lunch, and and I think since I've been here, I've been really enjoying just getting to know you, and me and uh, you've too. been a great encouragement to me, David. And thanks. I want to thank you for that. Um, uh, one, you know our church. Um, two, you, you've been around a little while, so it's good yeah, to talk to us. I know so. what you're doing, inviting all these older guys, so you'll be the young guy on the docket for the missions <laughs> conference. I know exactly what yeah. you're doing. So. Hey, it's, that's rare. But yeah, <laughs> is that what I did? Well, um, we'll, we'll, uh, I'll introduce you formally before the 1030 hour, but let's just start with some, because so, there are a lot of people here that haven't met you before. Yeah. So yeah. Let, let's start. How'd you, how, how did God save you? Tell, tell us Yeah, briefly. so grew up in uh, Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, in a Christian family. Mom and dad knew the Lord, and so church was a part of our uh, weekly family routine, and so I just grew up in that Christian home environment, grew up under the preaching of the Word. It was when I was about 11 years old that our church called a new pastor. Uh, so Adrian Rogers became our pastor there in Memphis, and um, I just noticed something about him. The way he spoke about the Lord Jesus Christ was in such a personal way and it was obvious to me that whatever he had, I didn't have. I knew, you know, the Bible stories as you're taught them growing up, and I had been in children's Bible drill and all that kind of stuff, but to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and at the same time, God was beginning to bring conviction on my sin as, as much as an 11-year-old can understand that, and so um, went and with my family, talked to mom and dad about it, and uh, we went and spoke with Dr. Rogers, and uh, it was there in his office at our church that he led me to Christ and baptized me, and so that's how I came to know the Lord. Praise the Lord. Um, many of the church family know you here, but some don't, so why don't you introduce your family? You Absolutely. Yeah. So my claim to fame is that I'm married to this lady right here. This is Pepper Wooten, and uh, Pepper and I have been married for 34 years this coming summer. And uh, we have five children. Uh, three of them came into our family biologically. Uh, they are grown and gone. Uh, they call themselves the originals. And then we have, uh, since then, adopted two more, and they're here with me this morning. So Cheyenne is 19 years old, and eight years ago today, she became a Wooten. So today is her adoption day. So yeah. um, at our house, these kids get... Um, they get birthdays and they get adoption days. So, yes. uh, and then nice. Jacob came into our family a long time ago, but we finalized his adoption a little over two years ago, but we were his guardians for about six years before that. So he is uh, eight years old, soon to be nine, and he's with us today. So that's, that's the Wooten crew. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Uh, very, very glad to meet you guys. This is the first time Pepper and I've got to meet. <laughs> David and I have lunch all the time, and, and, uh, but it's good to meet you and Cheyenne and Jacob as well. Well, David, let's, let's let that lead into the next question. Um, I, don't, I think sometimes as church we think that missions is a deep, dark jungle somewhere, you know, learning a new language and sharing the gospel, um, and certainly that is missions, and we do support that. But adoption, um, I don't know that we connect that to, to missions probably like we should. Um, uh, adoption is, is theological, it's, there's so much to yeah, it. So yeah. let's kick that can down the road here a little bit for a few minutes. Um, because I think adoptions is missional. And we have tremendous amount of adoptions in our own church here and more people wrestling and praying through that. So talk to us about adoption. This is certainly on your heart. This is what you do now. You're, you have that pastoral role and lifeline and, and you're part of that uh, adoption work. So Let's make a connection here with missions. Yeah, so we can slice that a lot of different ways. At, at the ministry I work with at Lifeline Children's Services, we talk about uh, vertical adoption and horizontal adoption. Mm. So vertical adoption is when God takes us, when we're separated from Christ and our sins mm. and justifies us and then adopts us to become his children. So we're the sons and daughters of God. He is our father. Jesus Christ is our older brother. Mm. And so there is that theological part of adoption. Um, so... Nobody can come into God's family apart from being born again and being adopted. Both of those things happen to the new believer. And so uh, adoption is not just a picture of the gospel. It is the gospel. Yeah. It is God bringing us into his family. And so the idea that we're all just everybody everywhere is a child of God is not a biblical concept. Otherwise, the doctrine of adoption doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Adoption is when you take somebody that's not in your family and you bring them into your family. Yeah. And so when we were adopted by God, uh, we were not in his family, but because of the work of Christ on our behalf, we've been brought into his family. So we talk about vertical adoption. Mm. And as a response to vertical adoption, uh, our hearts are opened with compassion to others, especially the most vulnerable. All through the Old Testament, it seems like there are particularly three groups of people that God has a special heart for, and those are widows and orphans, and uh, some Bibles call them aliens or strangers or foreigners. Mm -hmm. uh, and so we ought to have a heart for what God has a heart for. Mm. God is a father, and Abba Father has a heart for the fatherless. It's all through the scriptures. Mm -hmm. And so um, while God doesn't call everyone to adopt, uh, God does ha call his believers to have a heart for the fatherless. And that looks different in every church. It looks different in every family. It looks different in every believer. But for our family, it meant opening up our heart to uh, adoption through bringing uh, Cheyenne first into our family. Uh, and her story is just remarkable. She comes from a lot of trauma and abuse and abandonment and neglect in her past. Ten years in foster care, everything that could go wrong in foster care did go wrong. Yeah. Um, maybe everything that could be experienced there, maybe except for trafficking, uh, she has experienced. Mm. And so um, uh, a lot of uh, some, some fetal alcohol issues, mm. uh, didn't speak till she was six years old, mm. uh, and uh, some developmental delays. And um, when she came into our family, her uh, street savvy that she had, her coping skill was uh, flight. And so she was a runner. She would run away. And, and so the first couple of years, uh, she ran away over 
30 times mm -hmm. from our family. 911, police, investigators, psych hospitals, the whole, Baker Acts, the whole bit. The amazing thing is that I can tell you about Cheyenne is that uh, she is so aware that God is writing her story. Mm -hmm. And it's now been uh, almost six years since the last time she ran away. She feels safe. She feels loved. She doesn't feel like our family is another system she has to work on. Um, and not only that, but you know that she is also a, a champion Special Olympics athlete. So yeah. she has recently yeah. won gold medal in 50-meter backstroke for swimming. She's involved in tennis and track and mm. swimming and paddleboarding and, and uh, has just done... In fact, the Special Olympics Florida magazine wrote a feature on her about how she used to elope when she was... Uh, uh, first with our family and now how she's still running but now she's running as a special olympics athlete and so yeah. um wow. I'll, I'll tell you this because some of you are a little uneasy that i'm sharing this with her sitting on the front row but i'll tell you this we used to live in atlanta and one sunday pepper and the kids were at our church and i was away preaching somewhere else and a lady shared her testimony in the service that day and after the service was over uh cheyenne wanted to meet that lady and so Pepper and Cheyenne looked and looked. It was a big church. They couldn't find the lady. Finally, Pepper turned to Cheyenne and said, Cheyenne, why is it so important to you that we find this lady? And Cheyenne said, because she told her story today. And I want you and Dad to tell my story because it may help some kids that come from where I come from. And so I'm sharing this with you today, not only with her permission, but really at her request. Uh, so she is delighted that God gets to use her story to just talk about... Uh, the redemptive nature of our Father God. And then God brought Jacob into our family, uh, and he is just such a joy and fills every moment with enthusiasm and gives me a great, fresh perspective on life. And so adoption is not the gospel. Uh, for when we talk about horizontal, right. and we talk about mercy ministry, and we talk about social justice or gospel justice or however you want to phrase that, but it is a natural expression of those of us who have been redeemed by our heavenly father, because yeah. he has a father's heart, he wants us to care for the fatherless. Yeah. It looks different in every family. Not every yeah. family is called to adopt, but we're all called to obey James 1.27 yeah. that Amen. says true and undefiled religion in the eyes of God the father is this, mm -hmm. to visit widows and orphans in their distress and to keep oneself unstained from the world. So vertical and horizontal adoption are interlinked and you just can't unlink them. God has linked them together. Yeah. I am so encouraged by so many families in our church that have really obeyed the Lord in yeah. this. And yeah. it has such a missional aspect to it because it really is going into a lost world and by God's grace rescuing. And, and that's what we do in, in missions. We go take the gospel. But in this opportunity, now there's these two beautiful children who who now are in a home that's filled with Christ and, and filled with uh, a, a goal of serving yeah. him and the gospel's there. And so there is, a, there is such a, a, a role to that. We know not only that you're involved in domestic adoption, um, and, and that would include trying to help women who are pregnant yeah. not to go down the abortion right. road as well, um, which God loves life, and we know he loves life. He's the author of life. He's the giver of life. So uh, tremendous opportunities there. But you also are involved with adoption overseas as well. So yep. let's talk about that a little bit in the connection to missions. Yeah, so Lifeline is working <clears throat> in uh, adoption in about 20-something countries. Yeah. 
In addition to that, layered on top of that, we're doing orphan care in some of those countries and then in some countries where we're not doing adoption. So we're all in all in about 30 different countries. As I look at some of the flags around the room yeah. today, I see some of the countries where we're uh, involved in. And so, yeah, we, we are, um, we're not in every country, right. but uh, the countries that we are in, we have staff there on the ground as well as uh, staff in our home office in Birmingham and then my team here in Florida. Uh, that is serving adoptive families that are wanting to open their heart and their home to a child. And, and you know, every, as, I, as you were just speaking, I thought, I thought about the reality that every adoption begins with a heartache. Mm. Whether it is a birth mom that's in such dire situation that she cannot parent her child and needs to choose an adoption plan, or whether it is a child overseas in an orphanage that's growing up in an institution and the story of how that child got there, and every child's story is different, but every adoption begins with a heartache. Mm. And there is such a redemptive nature of providing this child a forever family. Uh, a lot of the kids that we work with are special needs, mm. and uh, there's a whole spectrum of special needs to very severe, life-threatening. We, we have families that adopt through Lifeline that know that this child is terminal, but they want this child to die in a family, not in an institution. All the way to the other end of the spectrum, Pastor Scott, is that there's some cultures where if your child is born with just a slight blemish, maybe a birthmark on their face, mm. that's considered a curse in that culture. And so you got to get rid of the curse. The way you get rid of the curse is to get rid of the kid. Mm. So the kid gets abandoned to an orphanage, and they're called special needs child, but, but really their special need is no more than maybe just a blemish or maybe sometimes just a... Uh, situation that could be easily corrected here with a procedure or surgery or medication. And so we're able to, to go into those cultures and to show, uh, to a degree, the government. Uh, I'll give you an example. Uh, our uh, executive director's name is Herbie. Herbie was in India a few weeks ago, and he was in an orphanage, and every child in that orphanage had a red dot on their head except for one. This one child was deaf. And Herbie asked, why is this child not marked with the Hindu marking? And he said, oh, that child doesn't deserve to be a Hindu because they have a disability. Mm. And, you know, the, the way that some of these cultures view these children that have special needs is so different than the way God's children view these, these kids with special needs. Mm. One other example, when we lived in Georgia, we went out to eat lunch one Sunday after church with a Lifeline family. And we were at a, a burger joint that had like a patio outside. So the kids are running around the patio and playing. And I, it was hot, it was summertime. And I noticed that uh, one of the kids was kind of hopping on the wood because it was so hot. I looked down and this little girl was not barefooted. She didn't have any feet. She just had two stubs. And she's hopping because the wood is hot. And her dad says to me, yeah, she left her feet in the car today. <laughs> she has prosthetics, yeah. you know, and normally she wears them, but she wasn't wearing them today. And I thought, what an amazing family where this little girl's culture would say, you're a curse. Yeah. And this dad says, no, you're my daughter. Yeah. And it's just such a, a, a demonstration of redemptive grace that God yeah. gives us an opportunity to be a part of. You know, there's no way to know, but I think this is, I, I think something you would ponder in talking to some of our parents here that have become forever families uh, to children is to think what that where that child's life could have gone. Yeah. We certainly don't know. We're not prophets or sons of prophets, but, but it is clear that 
that a child has been rescued from a life where, humanly speaking, could never hear the gospel, could never be in a church. I mean, it, possibly that could be. And so we do see that missional relationship. Um, and, and what you do, David, is, I think, so such important for the church. Um, One of the things I, I used to get to do more when I was in Georgia with Lifeline, I was the state director in Georgia for two or three years. Um, our office was very near the Atlanta airport. So I would get to go to the Atlanta airport and welcome these families home when they're coming mm. back overseas with their children. Mm. And one day I'm driving back to the office after being at the airport for one of these homecoming um, times. And I just began to get overwhelmed emotionally thinking this child's life is forever changed from a human perspective, mm. had no access to the gospel mm. from a human perspective. God can do what he's going to do to get the gospel to, to the unreached. But from a human perspective, there was no access to the gospel for this child and has forever changed this child by putting them now in a Christian home and has forever changed the life of this family too because yeah. their life is going to be different as well. Mm. And God has just given me a front row seat to watch how he'll take this family in Georgia that he's calling to adopt and they have to go through all the paperwork and all the hoops you have to jump through to adopt. On the other side of the planet is this child in a forsaken, forgotten place uh, that mm. God has his eye on. And I get to watch how God weaves that story together and brings, yeah. them, brings that child into a forever family. Yeah. Wow. Praise the Lord. I know, I know we have some stories here where now parents, the birth parents have got saved and, and yeah. there's been yeah. relationships. Yeah. You know, yeah. God, it's just amazing how the it Lord is. does weave that together. And I think this is such an important conversation, again, because sometimes we get into the mode to think that missions is going or sending in a financial or physical way, and yet there's such, there's such a transaction of missions when we talk about adoption. Um, even from families who support our families that make a decision yeah. led by God, a heart decision led by God to go through even domestically the adoption process here, mm -hmm. which is extensive, and, and they look deeply into your lives and, and all of that. But being able to help and care for a family in here, and Riverbend who decides to go through that. We, we see this as a great work. Missions is not just overseas. It's, it's both domestic right. and here, and it has to do with, deal with, gospel is a message of rescue. Yeah. And, and so it's such a tie into that. Adoption isn't the gospel, but it's the reflection of the gospel. Yeah, and one of the things we say at Lifeline is that uh, we adopt not because we are the rescuer, but right. because we are the rescued. Yeah, that's right. And yeah. uh, it's not that we're riding in on some uh, white horse in shining armor. Yeah. Uh, we're here broken, battered sinners that yeah. God has redeemed, and it's just natural for us to extend that compassion to, uh, yeah. to those that need it. Well, David, let me transition just a little bit here. Your, your time um, with, life, with Lifeline and being in the pastorate for a long time, You've been around the world now quite a bit in many different countries. Give us a bit of an update from your perspective as you've traveled, just the state of the church around the world. Um, uh, what's it look like out there? Because I know you're connected in some way because of adoptions, and you see what's going on out there. Um, give, us, give us some perspective of the, the church around the world. Yeah, we, we are partnered with churches on the ground in the countries where we serve. Because uh, we uh, are very, uh, we are a parachurch organization, but we're not trying to replace the church. I think some parachurch organizations are, yeah. they, they look at the church and say, well, you didn't do the job well, so we'll take over from here. Right. That's not Lifeline's role. We really view ourselves as a bridesmaid. 
to come alongside the bride of Christ and to assist in what God has called the church to do. The hope for the orphan or the, the avenue of hope for the orphan is the church. The hope is the gospel. Right. The avenue of hope is the church. Our job is just to come alongside the local church. So our mission statement, which is more than just a plaque on the wall, uh, is that Lifeline exists to, to equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel of vulnerable children. So we are very connected with churches stateside and, like you say, very connected with churches internationally. And I'm more of a half, uh, glass half full guy. Yeah, me too. Uh, and so, uh, <laughs> plus I've read the end of the story. Yeah. And I know that we win. <laughs> yeah. So I'm hopeful for the church. Yeah. And I'm encouraged by what I see happening uh, in the church. It's not without its challenges and, yeah. and difficulties. Um, but uh, we, we are, one of the reasons that international adoptions are declining in America, one of the good reasons is that local churches in those indigenous countries are yeah. stepping into orphan care mm. and caring for the vulnerable kids in their own country, which we would much rather that happen than yeah. for there to be a need for international adoption. Right. Uh, our desire is that the church would lean in there. And so we are planting churches. We are equipping pastors. I'll go to two countries this year at least uh, to do pastors' conferences, Romania and Colombia uh, uh, with Lifeline. And uh, we, in Pakistan... We work with a girls' home there, or I mean a girls' school there, and you know in Pakistan girls aren't supposed to go to school, they're not really allowed to go to school, yeah. but we work with a girls' school there, we've, we've created a sewing center there for those girls to teach them a trade. Some of them have come from trafficking, uh, some of them have come to the school other ways, but through that partnership we have planted two churches in Pakistan mm -hmm. and helped establish other sewing centers for women around the country. Uh, so Lifeline gets the opportunity to pour into the local church, to partner with local churches over there. Uh, so um, in Uganda, some amazing things we, we see happening there. Uh, but we also hear of struggles that the church is having. For example, in Brazil, uh, it just seems like everything that's wrong with the American church has been exported to Brazil on mm. steroids. Mm. Uh, and so a health and wealth prosperity gospel is rampant there. Uh, mysticism is mixed into all of that. And so trying to give a clarion call for the gospel is a real challenge for the church in Brazil. And yet we, we're very hopeful and see some great things happening through church partners uh, there in, in Brazil. Um, in Romania, we see some amazing things happening there. I've always had a heart for that particular country and uh, some remarkable things. Uh, the church has been hesitant to lean into orphan care mainly because of some prejudice, some deep-seated prejudice that mm. are in the Romanian people towards the Roma or gypsy children. Mm. And so we've seen the Lord begin to tear down some of those walls. Uh, our team was just at uh, Romania Without Orphans conference uh, recently, and the number of churches that are leaning in to using adoption and orphan care as a platform to carry the gospel is very encouraging. Mm. Um, we're seeing uh, s churches that are stateside that we partner with that are solid and sound uh, connect with churches uh, elsewhere. Uh, again, in, in Uganda, the church that uh, our family was a part of in Georgia, uh, when we lived in Columbus, Georgia, we connected them with King Jesus Church in Busega, Uganda, and got them involved in some orphan care projects. And now we've kind of stepped away from that, and that relationship has continued. Those churches continue to partner together the uh, Columbus Church is going at least once a year to train area pastors and equip them in theological training that they might not otherwise have access to. Church planting is happening. So um, I know that uh, there is a famine 
for the word of God in our land and in some other lands, but I'm also very hopeful. One thing, we, we tend to look at everything through American lenses, mm. even the kingdom of God through American lenses. And the kingdom of God is bigger than America. Yeah, and the right. kingdom of God is better than America. Yeah, amen. <laughs> and so amen. Uh, it's important to, to realize that and to see that uh, one of the things that, that when we think about missions in a missions conference, 10 years ago, 80% of missionaries were coming from North America. Mm. That's almost flip-flopped now. Mm. And, and already we are seeing missionaries come to our own country to bring the gospel to America mm. because we're now a burned-out district that no longer embraces the gospel. Mm. And so I'm encouraged by what I see uh, in Brazil, in South Korea, in Afri countries in Africa mm. that are now sending uh, countries and sending churches that are sending out missionaries to uh, Western Europe and to America and North America. And so I'm encouraged by that. There's a connection there that I, I didn't always see in when I was younger in the ministry, uh, but I see now <clears throat> where the Bible, the clearly uh, Bible-loving, Christ-centered mission efforts around the world include uh, orphanages and adoption. Um, and I think of many of our ministries, we support Philippines, very involved in adopting orphans there. Uh, our Congo ministry, very well known for, for it. And, and several of them around the world have their hands tied into orphan care in some way. And their goal um, to help those children get them into homes, particularly first and foremost in their own country. Yeah. Uh, and so I think there is a strong connection to our, to our theology. Yeah. And good, solid theological missions will include uh, adoption and orphan care as well, as we should, as yeah. a church. Yeah. If a church isn't caring for um, widows and orphans, I mean, that's a fulfillment of the law of Christ, James yeah. says, right? So uh, what an encouragement there. Um, tell us some of the things that, that you, you see coming um, that you're excited about uh, I mean, Lifeline, I've, I'm, because of you, I didn't know they existed, but because of you, I've read and read, and, and of course, you and I have met and learned more about that. Um, what's your daily life look like, um, and, and what do you see coming, and what are the things you're working on? Yeah, so uh, just to give you a, a flyover of the Ministry of Lifeline, yeah. a real quick flyover, we're basically involved in adoption, domestic and international adoption. We are involved in a an exciting new piece of foster care that I'll circle back to in a minute. We're in, involved in orphan care, which for us means a couple things. It either means working with kids that are about to age out of an orphanage. Uh, Herbie, our director, was in Ukraine over a decade ago talking to an orphanage director. They looked out the window and they saw a girl going out the gate of the orphanage. She had a plastic bag in her hand and she walks out on the sidewalk. A van drives up. There's a conversation, and she gets in the van, and they drive off. And the director said, Herbie, do you know what just happened? And Herbie said, well, I think I do. And the director said, when they turn 18 in Ukraine, we legally cannot keep them in the orphanage anymore. We put everything they own in a plastic bag. We send them out the gate with about the equivalent of about 20 U.S. dollars in their pocket. Somebody will drive up and say, uh, where do you work? Oh, I don't have a job. Oh, well, where do you live? I don't have a place to live. Oh, well, how are you going to eat? I hadn't really figured that out yet. Oh, come with us. You know, we provide free housing for our staff and great benefits and great salaries. And, and that kid is swept up into trafficking, either yeah. sex or slave trafficking. 80% of the girls that age out of orphanages are swept up into trafficking. 70% of the boys that age out of orphanages are swept up into trafficking. And there is homelessness, incarceration, addictions, a 10 to 15% suicide rate of kids that age out. So Herbie realized 
It's great that we're doing adoption, but what is the church doing to serve the 95% plus that, of these kids that will never get adopted? Mm. And so our orphan care ministry was, was born out of that. So we do adoption, foster care, orphan care, and then we do uh, education and support. Uh, when we adopted Cheyenne, first of all, we had never done girls before. So now all of a sudden we have this girl and we don't know how to, I learned that there's whole sections of toy stores that I didn't even know existed. These pink sections that I didn't know anything about. You don't know anything about that. I don't. Yeah. And so, I'm lost. And so, um, we had to learn how to parent a daughter, but then with the, the special needs that she had and the issues that she had, we, we really learned pretty quickly that we couldn't parent her the way we parented our biological kids. Um, a kid that comes from abuse, corporal punishment triggers all kind of fears and rage. Even a technique as simple as time out to say to a kid who's been abandoned her whole life, she'd never been in the same school for an entire school year. One year she was in five different schools in one year, just bouncing around the foster care system. And to say to that kid, go away from us, be isolated in your room by yourself, triggered all kind of fears and rage in her that I had no idea was going on inside her heart. Mm. And so um, we, we really came to a crisis point as a family and about that time came on staff with Lifeline and as a new hire, they took us through the training that we take our adoptive families through. Mm. I realized right away that I'd probably hurt more than helped in the early days of parenting my daughter, uh, but also realized that there's great hope. And so we retooled the way that we parent and we have seen a remarkable healing in her mind and in her heart over these last uh, eight years. So those are kind of the areas, adoption, foster care, orphan care, and education and counseling that we do. Uh, and so in f we're in about 14, 15 states. We got some more that are emerging on. Oklahoma's coming on board. Louisiana's coming on board. Mississippi just re-came on board. Mostly we're in the SEC states, uh, <laughs> plus North Carolina, Kansas, uh, and and those and a little bit in Virginia, um, so uh, and and the SE, southern uh, southeastern United States. So Lifeline's been around for 37 years, birthed out of the pro-life movement because there was a pregnancy center in Birmingham that was seeing women choose not to abort, but life circumstances were not allowing that woman to parent, and so uh, that pregnancy center director and a Baptist evangelist got together and said, we need to provide an adoption option for these women. And so Lifeline was kind of birthed out of that pro-life movement. A few years later, China opened up, Ethiopia opened up. Now we're in 30 different countries doing orphan care and adoption. But in our states, that's our home office in Birmingham, but in our states like Florida, we don't have the bandwidth to do all of those things. Right. And so uh, we've been in Florida for about six years. Uh, Lifeline has for about six years. And so we've been focused pretty much on international adoption, finding Florida families that want to adopt internationally, and then uh, plugging churches into some of our orphan care opportunities. I'm very excited to tell you that just in the last few months, in the last six months, through some providential circumstances, uh, God has opened a door that I've been knocking on with our home office for a couple of years, and that is to open up domestic adoption in Florida to be able to serve these birth moms uh, and provide uh, families that are looking to adopt inter, uh, domestically an opportunity to, to do that. We haven't been doing that in Florida. So I'm very excited that that's yeah. now opened up. We've hired a, um, a social worker to, to do that. The reason we haven't done it before is because for us, domestic adoption is not just about 
uh, can we get this baby and put it in this adoptive family's home? Mm -hmm. It's really about loving on this birth mom, bringing the gospel to her, plugging her into a local church where she can be nurtured and fed and discipled, um, and, and really handing that ministry off to the local church. We haven't had the staff to be able to do that, and so we just haven't been doing domestic. Mm -hmm. Now we do. We've added a social worker in Central Florida to do that. We've brought Pepper back onto our Lifeline team on a limited part-time basis, so she'll be serving birth moms again as she did in, uh, on our team in Georgia. And, uh, and so our, our launch ramp for that is to mm -hmm. hire these staff members, which we've done. They are beginning to network with pregnancy centers so that when those pregnancy centers and hospitals, so when they have an adoption-minded client, they can refer to us and we can connect with them, begin to minister to them. Uh, and so uh, probably by summertime this year, again, I'm not a prophet or the son of a prophet, but I work for a nonprofit. So, um, uh, so probably by the summertime, um, we will start accepting applications for domestic families to adopt. Another piece of the puzzle that I'm very excited about in Florida is um, we were doing, our, our team in Birmingham was doing a, a seminar not too long ago at a church on foster care, talking about kids in foster care, um, foster families, even caseworkers and, and birth families. During the break, somebody came up and asked our team, what is Lifeline doing to carry the gospel to that birth family? Their kids have been removed from them, right. put in foster care. Everybody says the goal is reunification, that those kids would get to go back home, but but the state has limited resources that have to be spent on these kids in care and on foster families. And at the end of the day, there's no resources left for this birth family. That's where all the dysfunction was that these kids got pulled out into foster care in the first place. What are we helping the church to do to bring the gospel to that birth family? So we have written a court, this sounds oxymoronic, but we have written a court approved, biblically based parenting curriculum that a judge can say, okay, before you get your kids back, one of the things you have to do is go to a parenting class. Here's a list of the approved parenting classes we have. Now, in Birmingham, the judge will say all of them have a waiting list except for Lifelines, but if you go to Lifelines, you're going to get Jesus and you're going to get Bible, and if you don't want that, get on a waiting list. So we've got folks that are like, I can stomach Jesus. I can stomach the Bible. I just want my kids back. I'll go to Lifelines class. Right. Right. They've come, like you said, they've come to know the Lord. Yeah. They've gotten plugged into the local church. One lady came up uh, to the pastor who led that class, because we don't lead it. It's a, we hand it off to the church. It's a church ministry. The pastor that was teaching that class, she came up and she said, Jesus Christ has rescued me from my sins mm. because of this class. Could I please be baptized in your church? <laughs> and so he said, absolutely. So the, uh, she called our team member who helped oversee uh, this ministry. We call it Families Count invited her to her baptism. She comes to the baptism. Our, our team member, Tracy, comes to the baptism and uh, not only gets to see her baptized, but they're also having baby dedication that day. And she recognized, she didn't know this was going to happen, but she recognized one of the families on the platform at the church dedicating their baby as a family that had been through our parenting class, mm -hmm. had come to know the Lord, had gotten plugged into that church, had gotten their kids back from foster care, has since had another baby, and now is dedicating that baby to the Lord mm -hmm. to rear that child in the fear and nurture admonition of the Lord because of the power of the gospel. Mm -hmm. So Families Count is coming to Florida. We have some mm -hmm. churches that have been to Birmingham for a two-day training, and they're going to be launching in... Uh, Orlando, Tampa, Jacksonville, uh, possibly down in Naples area, uh, this Families Count ministry to help birth families come under the preaching of the gospel, help them reconcile with their 
kids, all of it is driven by the local church because we're here to assist the church to do all this. And so I'm very excited about that yeah. piece of the puzzle as well. Yeah, wow, that's encouraging to think through. Um, just in our, our few moments uh, we have left here, we'll be changing over here to get ready for service. And, and uh, David's going to be preaching in Romans 10 uh, today, so I'm really looking forward to that. Um, how can we encourage some maybe moms and dads in here who are, are wrestling with this, um, that they could see this as, as their way of engaging in mi missions personally? Um, how, what would you say to parents that are walking through this process or are starting that to respond to the heart that God is uh, pushing on in a yeah. sense? What would you say to them this morning? Yeah, Focus on the Family did a survey and found out that 50% of evangelicals in America of the respondents have thought about adoption at some point, but only 2% have actually jumped in the pool and started pursuing adoption. Hmm. And they begin to ask some questions to try to peel back why is that. And the two reasons they discovered, one is people just felt like adoption was too expensive. Oh, we hear it's tens of thousands of dollars. We don't have that kind of money sitting around in our sock drawers, so adoption must be for somebody else because, I mean, we're living paycheck to paycheck, so adoption's out the window for us. Another reason they, they discovered was that it's just such a high hill to climb. We don't even, how do you take a kid on the other side of the planet and bring them into our home and call them our son or daughter? It's just so complicated. We don't even know where to begin. And so Focus asked those respondents, where would you go if you felt like God was calling you to do this? And they said, well, I guess we would go talk to our church. We'd go talk to our pastor. Mm. And pastors are fully equipped to be able to help that family discover, is God calling you to this or not? Uh, but pastors aren't necessarily equipped to know what are the legalities, what are the requirements, what are the regs for Florida, for the State Department, for that foreign government. So we want to come alongside and help churches shepherd their families that are sensing a call of God to adopt. And so... Lifeline is only working with Christian families uh, to, to provide adoption. Other agencies work with everybody, and that's fine. Our, our foundational premise is that um, that's great, that's humanitarian, uh, that's philanthropic, but we're gospel-centered in what we're doing. We want to put these kids into godly Christian homes where they're going to hear the gospel. And so we're only working with Christian families. And so we look for families where you would expect to find Christian families, and that is in the local church. Mm. So some of my time is spent going into a local church and just doing an adoption information meeting. This is what the adoption process looks like, whether you adopt uh, from foster care like we did or domestically or internationally. This is how long the process takes. This is how much it costs. This is what's involved. Uh, this is how it can be very affordable for Christian families. And so I spend a lot of time going around to churches uh, doing those kind of things. Um, I think it's very important that husband and wife are on the same page mm -hmm. before they proceed because when you said, how can we help families that are wrestling with this? Mm -hmm. there, there are two ways to wrestle. There's the wrestling before you adopt and then there's the wrestling after we adopt, brother. Let me tell you, there is wrestling <laughs> after you adopt. It's not yeah. easy. It's yeah. the hardest thing Pepper and I have ever done in the Christian life. Mm. And it is the sweetest, grandest, greatest thing that Pepper and I have ever done in the Christian life. Wow. But we couldn't have done it without help. Mm. And we needed help. And so um, Lifeline is there for those families as well to provide uh, what we call post-adoption support, counseling, help. Um, and so, um, yeah, so that, uh, wherever a family is in the process, we wanna come alongside your ministry, local pastor's ministry, local church's ministry, to help them shepherd that family through what they sense God may be calling them to do. 
So what I hear is if there's a, a family here that's wrestling or thinking about that and praying through that, come talk to pastors. Uh, we'll, we'll help you with your, make sure your marriage and family is in a position yep. to be able to do those things. Yep. Two, we have great connections yep. that we can help them answer some of those more difficult questions that maybe we can't. Yep. And we can get them going on that process. But if God is pushing them, they should respond. You should, you should pursue this to see if this is God's will for your life and go through that door, walk through the next one and the next one and see what God is doing. Well, David, it's a blessing to have you here. I can see you're passionate about this. Um, I, you know, I've enjoyed our relationship. I look forward to many years of getting to know you and the encouragement you bring to me. And, and uh, we're so glad to have you at Riverbend. Um, and I know a lot of people here are excited to have you here and want to chat with you. I, I didn't want you to go into the donut room because I knew I was never going to get you out. So, um, um, but if you want to talk to David, we have a few minutes between. Let him get his breath. And then afterwards, he'll, he'll be here and we can, you can chat with him and, um, and catch up with him. Thank you, brother. Um, just before we just dismiss here for a moment, just a couple of things real quick is... Um, Next week, we'll have a sign-ups for all those, cl- those life seminars that we've talked about. They'll be in the back hallway on the back side of the worship center here between the offices and the worship center. Down that hallway, there'll be tabers there, and you can go sign up on classes. And the reason we do that, we just need to know how many are going to a class. One class might be bigger than another class, where to put those. So please start signing up for those, and uh, you can call the office, and they can get you signed up as well if, if you forget to do that. And we, we look forward to that. Next week um, is my week to preach. Um, so I'm going to be preaching in Mark 6 on Christ sending out the disciples by two. What a fascinating missions passage this is. But in the 9 o'clock hour, we're going to do some updates of some of the ministries we're doing. Just some updates on WARM. What's happening with our WARM ministry? Such an important ministry that we have going. We have a prison ministry. We have guys going into our local prisons teaching 50, 60, 70 guys through fundamentals of faith, Muslims, Mormons, all kinds of guys. So we're going to get an update on that. As far as other outreach ministries, we're going to get Bobby on the stage and catch up with some things that are going on. Uh, we have a, a new um, convalescent rest home ministry that go, and we have guys that are going there and preaching every Sunday now. Um, and so we're going to catch you up to date. And then where's, where's all our missions money been going? What are, what's, where it is, where's, what have we been spending it on around the world? Who, who are we supporting? And, and what are we looking to do in the future? So it'll be a great update on missions for the nine o'clock hour. So please come and engage with that and then we'll preach. And then the final Sunday of Missions Month is Jerry Boyle. He's my mentor who raised me in the ministry. I was very much looking forward to introducing uh, you to him. I, I love him like my father. Um, he taught me so much and I can't wait to uh, let you know. And he's really focusing on why the importance of the rural ministry. He, he was born and raised the son of a rancher. Um, ran cows and did all that, but had a passion for the gospel in the rural areas. And that's, that is, oh, everybody's going to go to the rural areas, sit on your porch and drink country time lemonade. Uh, it's not that way. <laughs> uh, people are mean and don't want to see you in the country. Uh, so church funding in the rural areas is very difficult. And he has done a great job through the years. And he is a kind and compassionate man. He has deep, deep love for the lost and for people who are hurting. So I think you'll see that out of that. Um, so that'll be February 10th as well. So a um, few more weeks left. We're, we're really looking forward to this. Please continue to search your own heart. Um, as we challenged you last week, have you been praying for two people you know to come to Christ? Have you engaged with anybody new this week with the gospel? 
It's that unexpected person that you are asking God. We can continue to encourage you to be thinking about that. Let's be a church that loves the gospel. Not just loves to hear it from a pulpit, but loves to share it. That's our goal. Amen? All right. Let me pray and we'll be dismissed for a few minutes. Father, thank you for bringing the Wootens to us today. We are very grateful for our time with them. We thank you for David's time here. We know he had uh, a great impact on lives here. And we thank you that he was able to pastor here for many years. And yet, Lord, it seems you've prepared him for a ministry that he has such passion for. He has such uh, 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 goals to want to see accomplished for your glory, for the furtherance of the gospel, to the great picture of adoption theologically and then practically lived out in people's lives, Lord. And I pray you continue to bless David's ministry, Lord. Continue to give him opportunities over and over, whether it's foreign or domestic, to, to introduce children to parents, but more importantly, introduce them to his Father in heaven. And Lord, so we thank you for this opportunity. Bless uh, this family. We're so grateful to have Cheyenne and Jacob with us, Lord. Thank you for their testimonies and what you're doing in their lives that encouraged our souls. Thank you for Pepper. She's such a vital part of this family that continues to serve um, the Lord in unique ways, Lord. Lord, finally, I pray for any families that may be in here who who are feeling the Lord nudging them. May they, may they follow through with this, Lord, and begin to pursue if this is the will of God for them to be involved with adoption. And so, Lord, we ask that you would bless that. Lord, now give David strength and wisdom as he preaches to us. Remind him of the great things he has learned through the Scriptures. And may you be magnified and glorified in all that we sing and do today. In Jesus' name, amen.